Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There's no offseason. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland's manager, Bob Melvin, and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. Hey, I was not originally going to do a podcast today, which is the 27th day of August in the year 2018, but I feel compelled to do a podcast on the 27th day of August 2018 because a lot of you are losing your goddamn mind. Sorry, Ray. Look, here's what happened and what is inundating my email box, my Twitter feed, and everything. Last night, the New York Yankees swept the Baltimore Orioles in a four-game set. In that same weekend, the Red Sox got swept for the first time all year as we're almost at the end of August. For the first time all year, a team swept them, which means the Red Sox lead over the Yankees, which was as big as 10 and a half games, 10 games in the loss column, is now six games Five games in the lost column. As I'm recording this, the Yankees are currently defeating the terrible Chicago White Sox 2-0. In yet another game where a team loaded the bases against the Yankees with nobody out and couldn't score one effing run. I'm trying to clean up my, my, my language here. It's getting harder to do. Um... Uh, If the Yankees win this game, they will crawl to within five and a half games of the Red Sox, five games back in the loss column, which has led many people to say, oh my God, is it happening? Are the Red Sox collapsing? I'm going to um, say a few things here right now. I'm going to remind a few things of some, some facts. When this season began, When the 2018 season began, I made a mental note. I said, have the Red Sox with a brand new manager, some new players, everything like that. J.D. Martinez, who, yes, tweeted out and Instagrammed out some stupid stuff in his past and probably is politically, oh, I don't know, not someone I would agree with. But his addition to the lineup, is been made me think, all right, this could be a team that does well, 96 wins. I said, if they can win 96 games, chances are that that's a postseason team and that's what you got to go for. Well, we're here. There's about a week left to go in the month, a little less than a week, and they have 90 wins. If they win six more out of their 30 games, I believe the Red Sox will have achieved the goal I set for them at the beginning of the year. I do believe the Red Sox are going to do better than 6-24 and 24 for the rest of the year. Call me crazy. The Red Sox are in first place. They had a lead that has shrunk from obscene to comfortable. This is why you build a 10-and-a-half game lead. 
in early uh, August. You build that so you can absorb a bad streak. Unless you're under the misconception that the Yankees are going to be playing Baltimore and Chicago for the rest of the year, then you have to come to some sort of understanding that at some way, shape, or form, the Yankees are going to have some good times and some bad times, and same with the Red Sox. And at this point of the year, it will be colossal. Ah, but Sully, what about the 78 Red Sox? What about the 2011 Red Sox? Those teams had big leads and blew them in September. What about the 2007 Mets? They had a big lead and blew them in September. Yeah, do you know why we remember that? Because it's so rare that a team has such a commanding lead and lets it all slip away. It's rare that that happens. Because in the ebb and flow of a season... If a team is having a tremendous run and winning a pile of games, chances are they're not going to finish with the obscene number of wins like the 1998 Yankees or the 2001 Seattle Mariners did. Last year, people wondered that about the Dodgers, and then they went on a slump where they couldn't win a game. Do you remember that? I bet you didn't. They went on a horrible streak but still finished the year with 100-some-odd wins because they were on pace to win 120 or 115. And so they won 104 or 5, whatever it turned out to be, because that's how it absorbs at one way, shape, or another. I'm looking at the Red Sox month by month. Okay, March, they won two out of three games, okay? They played 760 ball in April. They played 621 ball in May. That was their worst month. The Red Sox' worst month was when they went 18 and 11. They played 630 ball in June. Again, 760 ball in July. And so far, playing 652 ball in August. Let's just say they play 500 the rest of the way. Can, can we do that? Can, can For you lunatics out there who are starting to panic, who don't understand the ebb and flow of a baseball season, can I say, let's, let's say, out of the blue, after not playing worse than 621 ball at any month of the season, let's say from now on, they play 500 ball. They got 30 games left, and they play 500 ball the rest of the way. Do you know what that means? They win 105 games. They win nine more than I wanted them to at the beginning of the year. They set a franchise record for a single-season win total with 105. Assuming the Yankees win today and the Red Sox magic number stays stuck at 26, assuming a victory for the Yankees against Chicago tonight, If the Red Sox played 500 ball the rest of the way, which they've shown no indication that they're going to do that, say for one weekend where they didn't play particularly well in Tampa, a weekend where they didn't play Price, who's been pitching wonderfully, and they didn't pitch Sale because they're giving them a little bit of rest because they want to make sure that shoulder, they'd rather have them sit in August and be healthy for October. So they didn't have their two best pitchers going. They lost to a Rays team that isn't bad. 
which at the same time the Yankees were playing a historically awful team that has had most of the major leaguers ripped from their bosom. But somehow at this point that that happens. The Red Sox play 500 ball the rest of the way. The Yankees would have to, assuming they win tonight, go 21 and 10 the rest of the way just to tie the Red Sox if they play 500 ball. If the Red Sox play 500 ball, the Yankees would have to do better than 667 ball. They'd have to win more than two out of every three games that they play. Have you seen this Yankee team capable of doing that for a prolonged stretch? I'm not besmirching the Yankees when I do that. The Yankees are a good team. Hey, look at that. The White Sox just tied them. Holy Toledo. But the Yankees are a good team. They're going to win in the high 90s, low 100s this year. They're a legitimate pennant contender. And they're playing 638 ball for the season. Do you know what? If the Red Sox play 500 ball, 638's not going to cut it. They have to play above the level that they've been playing all year. Do you has been playing at that level all year above 667 ball? The Red Sox. This is what happens in the ebb and flow of a season. And it drives me bananas that there's some people who want to be chicken littles because the Red Sox are merely comfortable now. Let's go way back. I'm going to go back in time right now. I'm going to Marty McFly, this son of a bitch, and go back in time. Way back, way, way back to July 1st of this year. Less than two months ago. Less than two months ago, the Red Sox and the Yankees were tied. They were tied in all things. Now imagine if I came up to you and I said, I am from the future, almost two months in the future. Two months in the future, the Red Sox will have a six-game lead over the team they're currently tied with. I guarantee you every single Red Sox fan would cheer and every single Yankee fan would feel their heart sink. Because remember, right up until uh, like a week or so before the All-Star break, it really looked like the Red Sox and the Yankees were going to be neck and neck all year long. Go back and look what the first half of the season was like. The Red Sox would be up a game, maybe two. Then the Yankees would be up a game, maybe two. It was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And then the Red Sox put on the aft thrusters. They swept the Yankees. And now here we are. This is why you do this. There are teams out there legitimately fighting for their postseason lives. As I'm recording this, even some teams who are pretty damn sure they're going to make it to the postseason are facing some serious peril. Right now, as I'm recording this, the A's have a 4-1 to lead over Houston. Now, there's a lot of baseball left to be played, not only in this season, but also in this game. But just imagine Houston at this point. If they lose today, then half a game, 
half a game and one game in the loss column, which at this point of the year should really be the main thing you look at, will separate the Astros from being having home field advantage in the division series and playing a one-game playoff against the Yankees in their bullpen. That's a team with something on the line. That's a team that's had a massive collapse, which they have, that have allowed the A's to come on in and knock on the door and make their life a living hell. The Astros could very well make the postseason. Who knows? If they make the wild card game, they very well might beat the Yankees. The Yankees don't want to face the Astros in a one-game playoff. The Astros don't want to face the Yankees. The Astros don't want to be in a one-game playoff. But the Red Sox have a six-game lead, of which they only have to achieve mediocrity to essentially put away the division. Their magic number is 26, in honor of Wade Boggs. If they go 500 the rest of the way, that's 15 and 15. Right there, that lowers the magic number to 11. That means the Yankees would have to lose 11 out of... just If they lose 11 games out of their final 31, and then it doesn't matter. Then they're done. They're toast. This isn't hard to figure out. We remember the great collapses because of how rare they are. We forget that teams that have had that win a hundred games have moments of a belch or two. We saw that with both World Series participants last year. Both the Astros and Los Angeles had moments at this point of the season where they started to stumble. Right around the same time, the Cleveland Indians won 21, 22 games, how many it turned out to be in a row. And we all remember the Indians in last year's World Series. Oh, wait, we didn't. It was the Astros and the Dodgers. You know, when we talk about collapses, we talk about big collapses, big leads. Let's, ta- let's be Superman, spin the world backwards and go back to 2005. The Chicago White Sox on August 1st, 2005, held a 15-game lead. They were making an absolute mockery of the American League Central. They had a more than a two-week lead over Cleveland at that point. And then do you know what happened? They had a massive collapse over the next couple of weeks. They lost 10 of their next 15 games, including critical series against the Red Sox and against the Yankees who swept them. And then they righted the ship, and they went on a seven-game winning streak, and they got their lead back up to nine-and-a-half games in September. Okay, fine. It was nine-and-a-half games, and so we had a little burp, and there we go. And then, once again, they lost 10 out of 14 games, and the Indians crept back. And there was all the talk of the White Sox. Remember, at that point, had gone... Uh, They hadn't played in a World Series since 1959. They hadn't won the World Series since before the Black Sox scandal. There was nothing about this White Sox team that you could point to and say, ah, they're going to be winning big games. This is someone you can count on. And the lead that was 15 on August 1st, that was nine and a half at the beginning of September, got all the way down to a game and a half with eight to play. 
I remember those when the White Sox lost another game in the midst of this horrible streak. And it ended when Scott Podsednik hit a pop-up and he held his hands. He had many popped up. He held his hands to his helmet as if to say, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And by the time the out was made, it was a game and a half. And not only that, game and a half with eight games to play, of which the final eight games were going to be a showdown between the White Sox and the Indians. And the fact that the Indians were trailing the Red Sox and Yankees by a game in the wild card. Not only would it be possible that the White Sox blow a 15-game lead in the last two months of the season, a nine-half game lead in the last month, but they could miss the postseason altogether, not even earning a wild card spot. We all remember that, right? Of course you don't remember that. Because the White Sox won eight of their last ten games. They clinched the division in Detroit. The final series against Cleveland was merely a formality, but they won those games too, knocking the Indians out of the postseason and putting the Red Sox and Yankees in as the Eastern champ and the wildcard team. They finished the season on a strong streak. And what did they do in the postseason? They swept the Red Sox in three. They beat the Angels in five. They lost game one, and then they won the next four games with complete games in the last four games of the American League Championship Series. And then they faced the Astros, who at the time were a National League team. Don't ask me why. They switched, and they swept them. In four games, three of the last games were very, very competitive. One in the final at bat by the White Sox, but still a sweep. That's what people remember. I guarantee you, Unless you're Jimmy Pardo or some big White Sox fan or some fatalistic Cleveland Indian fan, your memory of the White Sox in 2005 was, oh, they ran away with a division and then they became one of two teams, the other one being the 1999 Yankees, to go through a wildcard era postseason with only one loss. And that's the case with the White Sox in 05 who went on to win the World Series, of course, as I just mentioned. Do you remember that? Do you remember that great collapse? I bet if I were doing a podcast uh, in 2005, we'd be talking, oh, the White Sox, it's a disaster, it's a disaster, it's a disaster. But do you know what? When you build a 15-game lead, like they did on August 1st, it allows you to absorb a couple of bad streaks. And that White Sox team not only won the division, but they won it with 99 wins, which was the best in the American League. It was better than the Red Sox. It was better than the Yankees, the two teams that were behemoths coming after the 2003 and 2004 ALCS showdowns. And everyone in their moose just assumed that this was going to be part three of the showdown, when in actuality, neither team made it out of the division series. It turned out to be the White Sox versus the Angels. You build the big lead... Because the ebbs and flows of the season allow you to absorb the losing streak. After August 1st, the White Sox had two huge divots in terms of their win-loss record. And yet they held on. And any thoughts you give of the White Sox, who are an underrated team, I think one of the reasons why they're underrated, is the postseason didn't have that great winner-take-all 
classic game, the way the Red Sox curse broken had, the way that the uh, Cubs did, hell, even the way that the uh, uh, the Astros did last year. It didn't have that one dramatic moment, even though there were dramatic games, because they just ran so fast through the postseason, it was over before you knew it. They came, they took, what is it, uh, 13 and a half games off of their lead between August 1st and the middle of September. And yet, they survived. I think this Red Sox team might be better than that White Sox team. Either way, they're going to be all right. For those of you who are bitching and moaning, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to quote Kill Bill when, uh, what was it, uh, Lucy Liu says to Uma Thurman, you didn't think it was going to be that easy, did you? And she responded, you know what, for a second there, yeah, I kind of did. Yeah, for a second there, we all thought the Red Sox were going to win this division by 12, 13 games. Do you know what? If I told you at the beginning of the season, I thought the Yankees were going to win the division by three or four games. If I told you the Red Sox were going to win the division by six or seven games, like, oh my God, that's tremendous. And you have to keep that perspective. Less than two months ago, this division looked like it was a dead heat. And now you're complaining that it's not a runaway train. Relax. It's called a pennant race. All that matters is the Red Sox clinch the division, hopefully sooner rather than later, so they can line everything up. And if they do, you go into the postseason and you take your chances. Don't worry. The Red Sox, all they have to do is achieve mediocrity down the stretch. And lo and behold, they will be the division champion for the third straight year. Are you still panicking? If you are, remind me to come to your house and I'll punch you in the face. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook. Describe an iTunes, subscribe, not describe, subscribe. Or you can describe it on iTunes. Apple Podcast, I think is what it's called now, Stitcher. Uh, YouTube, I've got a YouTube channel. Uh, SoundCloud, I mentioned that. Uh, you can, did I say Twitter? I probably did at one point. I'm on Instagram. My, my handle on Instagram is Sully Baseball Podcast. You can be old school, send me an email at info at sullybaseball.com. The music, as always, is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Telling you all to calm the hell down! This has been Sully Baseball for the 27th day of August, 2018. I'm yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.